Good afternoon and welcome to this week's episode of the Infamous Podcast, episode 384. Even the best things can disappoint. As you can see, this is Brian is not here right now, but I'm here, your co-host Daryl. I'm here to take you all the way this week and talk about the good, the bad, and the somewhat disappointing this week, to be honest. So we're going to start off today with some news bites, and then we'll get straight into the disappointments. Both Ted Lasso and Superman and Lois, not quite up to the standards that I'm usually used to. Then I'll finish it off with something that doesn't hasn't disappointed, and that is Jedi Survivor. Probably eight hours into the game right now, so I'll go a little bit over the good and the bad for that as well. So let's start off with these news bites. First off, this now this is from an insider. This is not confirmed, but Carl Urban it looks like Carl Urban's in talks to be Johnny Cage for the next Mortal Kombat, uh, Mortal Kombat Two. It I believes filming is supposed to be starting in the next few months, so the t- maybe in the fall of 2023. Now, I, you know, I'm a huge Carl Urban fan. Not seeing Harbor Urban as necessarily Johnny Cage. He was made to play Kano, which if you've seen the 2021 version of Mortal Kombat, they already had a Kano character in there, which I, the actor escapes me, but he actually did a bang up job. I'm going to be we're going to be following this as it develops again. This is not confirmed. It was from an insider who is called My Time to Shine. So we'll see how close that is to coming to fruition or and whatnot. Speaking of something else uh, coming to fruition, it has been confirmed, and this is from The Hollywood Reporter, that Yellowstone will officially be ending this year in season, at the se- in season five. Now, it did say the second half of season five will be airing in November weekly, and starting in December, the sequel be, will be moving forward. This is a sequel that they've talked about with Matthew McConaughey, but again, according to the reports and according to the Hollywood Reporter news, we have yet to get a confirmation that Matthew McConaughey will be in the title role or will be in the main character role of this new Yellowstone. With Kevin Costner leaving, again, I am halfway through season two of Yellowstone, so I don't know if I've gotten to the good meat and potatoes of the show or not. But it is kind of sad because Kevin Costner is amazing as John Dutton. But all good things do have to come to an end. Uh, Again, that's another one of those things. If they're trying to move on this with the speed at which they are, they're saying that, hey, see this Yellowstone, which, by the way, the new sequel series will have Yellowstone in the title, Taylor Sheridan who was born to be a cowboy, was born to play in the West. He is writing and he'll be writing and directing some of these episodes, just like he did with Yellowstone, 1883, 1923, and all of the other things that this guy has done in this world. Hell or High Water, great movie. This will be something to look forward to. Uh, again, and the the articles, the the links of these articles will be in the show notes. And then let's finish off with a deadline article about something 
pretty big happening this weekend from a movie perspective. And I'm no, I'm not talking about the writer strike. <sighs> anyway, Guardians of the Galaxy opened up to seventeen and a half million dollars on the Thursday night opening, which on the surface seems pretty good. Uh, it it actually just beat out the, or it looks like it's going to beat out the Guardians two. The negative aspect of that, however, if, is if you look at the Marvel movies, not other movies, because again, there were some movies that did bang up jobs. Avatar didn't have a huge Thursday night opening. Neither did Top Gun. However, speaking from the Marvel movie perspective or MCU comic book movies, this is below the nearly 30 million that Thor The Dark World made and I believe 28 million that Black Panther Wakanda Forever made. It is, however, on par with Ant-Man Quantum and the Wasp Quantum Mania, which we don't have to go over the details of that horrid box office and that terrible, terrible movie. But this could be different. And the reason I'm saying this is you're looking at, and again, I'm not a huge fan of Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm going to use that anyway, just because that, that's kind of what we use when we're talking about audience and critic reception of movies. Critic reception, I really don't care about. Right now, Guardians is, Guardians 3 is at 80% critic reception, certified fresh. 96% audience. Watched a couple reviews of the movie. I've I've known a couple people that have seen it, and it, it honestly has varied from meh, good, to the best thing since Endgame, which, again, that's not saying a lot. It only has Spider-Man No Way Home as competition, although I did love No Way Home. It'll be interesting to see if these projections, because it's projected to be around that 110 to $120 million opening weekend. It's it, This is... Out of all the movies in Phase... Well, this is technically Phase 5, but out of all the movies since No Way Home, this, to me, is the one that might be that make or break when they see, oh, man, people are not going to see this. Despite James Gunn being at the helm, despite James Gunn not playing into some of the other things... The, uh, not other things, the woke things that the other MCU movies have done, and it still doesn't draw an audience. That This is something to watch because, again, we do understand that it does take, for them to turn around how they're looking at these movies and what they're doing, it's not going to be overnight. So they may need to do something like, and I know they're not going to do it, just like Call of Duty is never going to, never going to skip a a year as they were supposed to this year because of the money. The MCU really needs to take a break and really needs to find, figure out what the hell they're doing because they have turned something that was great into something people are just tired of. And it's very similar to star Wars. And the only connection to this star Wars and the MCU is it's run by Disney. And we know what Disney likes to do. Now, on that note, there was another, there was actually a positive in this article, and it was talking about Super Mario Brothers crossing that $500 million domestic mark, 
as we know last week it did pass the one billion dollar mark uh, f- you know, f- for worldwide now this will be the fastest illumination picture to cross that 500 million dollar mark the second fastest animated movie after the incredibles so that would be 31 days i did we did get to see me and my girlfriend we did get to go see super mario brothers last weekend and it was a lot of fun it if you're a mario fan whether you played the game or not i'm a mario fan that hasn't played the game i know kind of figure that out on your own but it was very true to the game that I've I've actually seen played I, I won't say I haven't played it just I just haven't played it a, a ton I've played it enough I've seen enough to know that they were true to the characters it was about honoring the characters it was a funny movie Mario was great uh, there are some people that say it was full of what it was wokeness some people that you know I, I like to listen to and it wasn't it it wasn't if you know the characters you know the history of the characters again this is a is this animated so it's going to have some cheesy moments but overall it did a great job highlighting mario and to a lesser extent luigi as the heroes of the picture i would recommend going to see it whether you have kids or not, go see it. I know that I will be buying this when it comes on digital to watch it again. It, I'm so it. I believe it. This is the fourth week in a row, or this past weekend was the fourth weekend in a row that it made forty nine million dollars. People like seeing movies that are entertaining. Some more of Hollywood needs to figure that out. And speaking of figuring it out. Let's jump into we the one of the two episode shows that we have this week. Ted Lasso, episode eight, will never have Paris. The first two seasons of Ted Lasso were brilliant. It wasn't just a sitcom. It was a sitcom about, obviously, a football club. It did have its moments of seriousness, particularly in season two when we learned more about Ted Lasso. So it, it wasn't, j- but it was still, even with that, even with some of the serious stuff we find out about our characters in season two, it was still a feel-good drama. I feel like the season has, and again, this is we still have several episodes to go, but what we've seen so far, with a few notable exceptions, it feels like this show has kind of lost the plot. And I'm comparing it to what it was before. I'm comparing the quality. So if you compare, say, for this, for example, this episode, We'll Never Have Paris, to another run-of-the-mill show, odds are this is going to be a better episode than most of what you see on TV. But still... Comparing it to what we've gotten in the first two seasons of Ted Lasso, it's a little bit of a disappointment. I did. It, it wasn't a bad episode. I won't say that. I gave it a 2.7 out of 5. Delete that-ish from your phone. There were some good moments with Ted. And just, I'll give a quick rundown of what we saw. Because we have Dr. Jacob and Michelle and Henry visiting Ted in London. Because Dr. Jacob and Michelle are going to Paris and 
Paris is a city of love, and Ted thinks this is where Dr. Jacob is going to propose to Michelle. We have a lot of Ted being antsy about that, and that's that's a pretty much the A line of the show. Although I would say one B is Keely finds out that she has a very private video leaked online. Again, this is one of those rip from the headlines. We remember a couple, what was it, a few years ago, a bunch of Hollywood stars and pop uh, and entertainment figures had their phones hacked and, and a bunch of stuff released. I think it was called the... The fappening, I, I believe that's what it was called. And I, it, it, this was a big thing. Keeley's story, and Brian said it a couple weeks ago. Again, one, I don't like this Jack character by any stretch of the imagination. By any, by any metric, I don't like this character. But it's more than that. With Keeley, and Keeley feels out of sorts as far as her storyline goes go when it connects to everyone else's I I think as what Brian said is her story ended last season when she got the job of at this PR firm when she got to open up her own PR firm that was the end of her story that doesn't mean we needed to have her completely written out of the show what it did mean though is a lot of what we get with her this season feels forced, feels like they're contractually obligated to have her in the show. And I don't believe that's the only thing that's dragging the show down, but I do believe that is a big part of it. And again, I'm saying this as someone who loves a show and doesn't, and actually thinks even as with this disappointment, it's still better than a lot of what we get out there. I'm comparing it to itself. Again, you don't compare yourselves to others. You compare yourself to the best that you can do. And that's why I'm comparing it to what we've gotten in Ted Lasso before. There are some good scenes in this. Uh, once again, Jamie, Jamie Tart, do 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 do. He has a great scene where he continues to show his maturity. It's it's fun to rewatch this show and watch see where Jamie came from and where he is now as a character as a human being, as a football player in the show. It's, I mean, it's great. Great writing, great acting by Phil Dunster. He's my favorite character in this show. And I think he's probably been the most consistent as far as storyline this year because he is still moving forward, watching him work with Roy. And that I still get geeky when I see him on screen just because I know that we're going to get something good and and again like I said Phil Dunster is doing a great job one of the stories that I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it just because I know why they were doing it but one that I'm more interested in is the Collins storyline again it's no surprise that Collins gay I it, I I we pretty much knew that last year just by some of the things that he did. I, we, we both called that he was, he was going to come out as gay. And then we see that in episode two or three. One of my favorite scenes this season so far is that conversation that Colin has with Trent Krim independent. That's another character that's criminally underused. So we have on this show right now, you know, Colin, Keely, Jack, 
which is fine. And this goes, I'm going back to the Keeley thing again. I am far more interested to see what happens with the Colin storyline for a couple of reasons. One, because it's germane to what's going on with the football club and the, and the brotherhood that we have in the football club. And two, I unfortunately don't have his name right now. I'll look his name up right now, but the actor that plays Colin, he plays it so earnestly that you just, I, I remember when he would get dogged out by the Nate, the great, when Nate was going into his dark phase you just felt bad for the guy. But uh, let, let me just a second. Let me find his name because I, I want to give him credit. Billy Harris. I think he's done a gr- bang up job this season. And I do want to see more t- about him and see how. And, and again, based on what we saw at the end of, or towards the end of this episode. Something's got to give because Isaac now knows that Colin's gay. And as Brian and I talked about it off air, his reaction was not a reaction of someone that was weirded out by it. It looked like he is with the reaction of, you didn't tell me that you were gay, bruv. You think I was going to have a problem with that, bruv? As Isaac says. So again, I'm looking, I am looking forward to seeing what happens with that. And then as we get to the end, we both, and when I say we, I'm going to say we a lot in this in this episode, and that's Brian. He's here in spirit. He is definitely here in spirit, just not form. But we both believe that this season's going to end with Ted going back and getting back, likely getting back with Michelle, because there, there's just a couple of tidbits. For instance, when Ted, a few episodes ago, Ted tells Michelle, that he was upset that he she's dating Dr. Jacob, which, by the way, that is a that's one of the worst things I've seen in a show. And when I say worst, I mean actions taken as far as a therapist ending up dating the person they were counseling in marriage counseling. I don't care if it's six months later or whatever. Ridiculous. But anyway, at the when he tells her that on the phone a few episodes ago. Look, watch her face. Her face is just, it's almost as if she, she did, she got, got this little smile and it was like, it was the smile of someone who had been waiting for something. And that seems like that's what she got. Now, again, I could be wrong. We could be wrong on this. It just seems, and then you see how it ends in this episode where she doesn't have the ring. Now that doesn't mean she's not engaged. And then when they leave, she doesn't give Dr. Jacob or Jake, I'll call him Jake, a kiss when before they go in the car. And I don't think she knew Ted was watching or maybe she did. But it'll be interesting to see where this goes. And again, not a bad episode. It just wasn't up to what we're used to seeing over the last couple of seasons. But, and again, this is not just this episode. It's been season three so far. has just been a, a slight disappointment. Although if every show on TV was as good as season three of Ted Lasso, there'd be a, a ton of great shows on there. Because again, 
I'm comparing this to the first two seasons. It's just a disappointment for that. And it seems like season threes are just two of the greatest, my most favorite shows are just disappointments this season. And that goes into Superman and Lois. Season three, episode seven, Forever and Always. I give this two and a half out of five. Seriously, Clarks? Well, we'll under- you'll understand when I explain some of the stuff that happens in this episode. Now, we, we know we continue to get Lois working through her chemo. And Lois working through her chemo. Which, before I get into that, the it, the thing that we've gotten from this season and the thing that the first two seasons of Superman and Lois had not done is to go drama-y. And when I say drama-y, several instances in the first two seasons where you had Lois and Clark getting in arguments and handling it like adults. I believe it was season one where Lois was upset with Clark and she says, I know I'm being irrational, but I, that's just how I feel. I'm just upset and I'm going to basically take a breather because this is unfair and I'm being unra- irrational. This season with this cancer storyline, and again, I know pretty much everyone I know have been, has been affected by cancer in some way, shape, or form, myself included. The, who, the writer's room, someone is, this is really near and dear to them. I could, you can just tell by how they're treating the storyline. And I respect that. This is not what I want to see from a Lois and Clark, or a Superman and Lois. I... I know I understand about giving characters obstacles they have to push through obstacles they did not expect which in that regard I can only applaud this up this this season because this is not something I expected to have in this show now with that said it goes beyond the cancer storyline for me it's how they're treating Clark as Superman which we don't get Superman in this episode at all which, okay, that's fine. That's fine and good. It's also, from what we have so far, is this Bruno Mannheim character, which, based on what we had gotten from Inner Gang, and I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not a Bruno Mannheim Inner Gang. I know them from the comics, but I am not a, a huge comic reader as it pertains to these type of things. Inner Gang, Bruno Mannheim, you know, the DC world. With that being said, the way they're, and again, I love Chad L. Coleman. Loved him as Tyrese in Walking Dead. Loved him as Fred Johnson in The Expanse. And I know he's been in other things as well. I'm not a fan of them. And again, this is what we see more and more in movies and TV shows. And it used to be something that was unique and it was great to see because it was something that was not done all the time. And that is trying to make the villain sympathetic. I will say they do it there there are there are bouts in this episode where it does work between Bruno and his wife Pia Onomatopoeia uh but which come on that was not a shocker at all. Neither is the spoiler alert Matteo being their son. I call we call it that the second that we saw Matteo in the, earlier in the season. We knew that was going to be Bruno's son. Knew it. 
so that in and of itself is there there have been a couple scenes where Bruno has worked as a villain when John Henry threatens to kill him after Bruno threatens almost blows up his well sister from this earth he actually when he says yeah something happens to me I know about your family in New Orleans all of your family that was a that was a villainous that was a great scene for Bruno Mannheim I was not as enamored with the writing and even the acting of Chad Coleman in this in this episode with the flashbacks between him and Pia there courting because that's what this episode was about. It was about the history of Pia and Bruno and trying to solidify why he was doing was doing what he's doing as well as the Jonathan, particularly Jonathan, coming to terms that his mom could possibly die. And on that note, I will say that they gave us a better explanation as to why they can't use Kryptonian technology on Lois. It's basically that she is human and she probably would not survive the treatment. That works. That's fine. Okay. However, as if you say you're you were wondering why I said seriously, Clark. Instead of reminding them of that at the end of the episode when they kind of when Lois finally opens up to them about what's going on and how tough this is for her, instead of leading with that, Clark says, Well, that's Kryptonian tech and he wouldn't feel right using that to heal uh Lois and not give it to the world because it would be Kryptonian tech and it's too dangerous for the world. Are you seriously, bro? Are you? I'm going to quote Isaac, quote Isaac, or channel my inner Isaac. Are you serious, bro? You're trying to tell me that you wouldn't use this to save your wife, and then find a way to use something like this and make it safe. Do the best. This is where, where, and I understand the sacrifice part because that is a part of Superman that. I could get that. I, I can live with him sacrificing, saying, hey, I wouldn't do this because for the greater good of the world, this is not good. However, just to throw that line out there and not say I will do everything I damn well can to not only save my wife, but to present this to the world in a, in a way that would make it safe for the world. It's just not, I just don't see that as being Clark. And I did like, I'm I'm liking more and more the new what I would say is the new Jonathan and let me get his name as well because I've been so lucky the last two seasons to have Jordan Elsass as Jonathan. It's taken me some time and last week I believe I said that when Jonathan's scene with Sophia sold me on him as the new Jonathan. Because initially he was almost a caricature where he had this he had the mannerisms down. He just didn't have that it factor that Jonathan had. That it as, as you know, for those that that watch sports, the guy with the it factor, Michael Bishop. 
he he had a he did a really good job in this episode, and that actually is probably my best takeaway from the episode is that he's continually winning me over. Now there were some other stuff with Chrissy kind of making up with uh, Sarah, as far as because Chrissy and Kyle are dating. I didn't care about that really, uh, not at all. But. And then there was the Mateo meets John Henry, and when he goes, when they go, you know, when he and when John Henry invites him over, and they, yeah, and John Henry or not John Henry, but Mateo uh, get you know goes on the first date with Natalie, or the first date, yeah, yeah, it's their first true date, I guess you would say, and John Henry's acting like a dad, <laughs> which was pretty great. But overall, it just this has just been a disappointing season. I am really, really looking forward to. Uh, I think you pronounce it Kudlitz, Michael Kudlitz, when he arrives as Lex Luthor. I think that is next week. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but he could turn the season around again. I've been disappointed with this season, but it's not a lost cause, and it's not a bad season. There have been a couple things that have been bad. It's just, I just want them to get to what we had loved about Superman and Lois in the start. It's just, Dad Clark, great stuff. And again, stop having Superman get his head caved in for three quarters of the fight only to pull it out at the last, you know, last 20% of the fight. That's annoying. They they didn't do that necessarily this episode, but they've done that the last couple of weeks, and it's 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 very annoying. It's I understand Superman is it's it can be tough to write for him, but write better villains, write smarter villains, write situations where he has to weigh between going back and forth between stopping this villain doing A while saving people about to fall off a bridge, something like that. It's that is the other thing that's been one of my big pet peeves for this season. And it's not like these people are bizarro or doomsday or anything like that. These are metas, but they should not be able to hold a candle to Clark, to Superman. So work on that as well. Now, you might think this week has been a week of disappointments, but I did save the best for last. And that is Jedi Survivor. I don't bo- I don't know if well no because I wasn't on the show back then I uh, I don't know if Brian talked about Fallen Order that came out in 2019 Jedi Fallen Order it was a Star Wars game I didn't know we I was missing it was such a fun game obviously you have lightsaber play this game was built on combat and platforming which the latter of which I am not the most in love with because it it's so stressful (laughs) I watch my girlfriend play the Mario games and I'm like I can't watch you play that because it's stressful and I play like I play games like Call of Duty I play RPGs I, I play fighting games and yes they have their own amount of stressful but there's something about trying to jump from point A to point B and just missing it that's even more stressful than almost having a boss or uh, another player beat and then them coming back and wailing on you. It's just 
where you just watch yourself falling out of the sky and there's nothing you can do about it. <sighs> but just to give you a rundown of Jedi Fallen Order, it takes place five years after the original game, or Jedi Survivor, I'm sorry. It takes place five years after Fallen Order. At the end of that game, spoilers, uh, Cal Kestis, they came in contact with this Jedi Holocron, which would allow him, or not him, whoever was in possession of it, to, to locate the, all the Force-sensitive children. And considering at the end of that game, he just, he and Seer, which is almost like his Jedi teacher, but not, because she used to be a Jedi, and then she kind of left the Order for her failings. They decide that, and, and at the end of the game, they just barely get away from Vader. Yes, that Vader. And it was a great scene. It was. It reminded me a lot of Rogue One, Vader's Rogue One scene. They decide to destroy it. So he, he kind of leaves his team. His team consisted of Seer, as I said, Grease, the pilot of the his ship, the Mantis, and Marin, who was a who they find she find I believe he finds her on Dothamir. She was a night sister or night sister in training. I don't quite remember her story, so don't kill me if I just mess that up. But he ended up joining a very famous uh, individual from the Clone Wars and from Rogue One, Saul Guerrero, to just continue to fight you know, the empire and he's just getting frustrated over these last few years because the empire is just getting stronger. And that's where we start this series or should we start Jedi survivor? I'm not going to go into any plot points per se, but we'll talk about some of the, the great aspects of it. Combat is a significant upgrade, not just from a visual standpoint and move set standpoint, but you also have new stances now. You have the dual, like, because again, you have the original lightsaber. You have the double side bladed lightsaber. Now you have the dual wield. You have the cross guard, which is like a very slow but very hard hitting stance. Then you have a blaster stance, which almost looks like fencing, and then you have a blaster to, you know, shoot. So this is a, that was a, the combat itself is so much fun. I'm playing it on the second hardest, which is Jedi Master, I believe. And there's one, or is it Jedi? I'm playing on the second hardest setting. And it's it can be difficult, but especially trying to get your timing with the parries. Because parry, parrying is life in this game. If you can parry something, you're good to go. Visuals, still strong. Still pretty good. Better than the first game. But I just played the DLC for Horizon Forbidden West called Burning Shores, which we'll talk about disappointment. That DLC was an extreme disappointment. I love the the Horizon game itself, Forbidden West. The DLC was not. But that game is one of the most beautiful looking games you will ever see. Whether it be PS5, whether it be console, it doesn't matter. Or console. I was, well, it is only PS5. I was about to say whether it be PS5 or PC. The game is amazing. It's beautiful. This game looks good, but it's it, there is nothing about this where I've, I've yeah, and I'm like I said I'm eight to ten hours in there's nothing I've seen that wowed me as far from a visual perspective sound it's good voice acting which again solid voice acting I, I think uh, Cameron Monin what is his name uh, he played the Joker but uh, the voices are good they're they're fine but it's the sound it's the 
the sound cues, whether it's a lightsaber, whether it's a blaster or a speeder bike or, or a ship going by that reminds you that you're in the Star Wars universe. And it, it, it again, it reminds you how important sound is. I've, I've talked about this over the years with stuff and how important sound is, whether it be a movie score that is perfect in the sense that it, it doesn't overpower the scene, but it adds to the scene. And this, the, the, the audio more than the visual to me adds to the fact that this is in a, the universe of Star Wars. And without it being this good, it, it's just it's just great hearing the blaster fire and or two lightsabers, you know, you know, buzz against one another. It's just great. And then there's the platforming aspect of it, which, as I mentioned, I get stressed out. <laughs> like not a lot of stuff stresses me out in gaming. Like not a lot at all. Again, but platforming from cliff to cliff or whatever it may be i played maybe you know got up this morning and for about 20 minutes before i started working i just just to platform through this one scene or this this one part of the level and i got through it and i you know saved the game turned it off and my hands were like it was like i was in a sauna but it's it's a fun aspect of it another thing this game has it's a lot of puzzles like like uh, a lot of environmental puzzles that I think adds to the fact of immersing you in the game. For as much as I liked Horizon, y- y- I think it's the, if you pulled, push down on the analog or stick, it will highlight, say, climbing holds for you climbing. It'll It'll highlight items that you can pick up. It'll highlight important facts about the area around you or, or important icons that you need or items you need to pick up. This is less like that. Now you get, you get, you can give hit, get hints, but you also get hints from your droid BD one, which I love this droid. He's one. He might be my second favorite droid in star Wars universe other than R2D2. Yes. Even higher than BB eight. I, I really like BD one, but it makes you pay attention more and it makes you look at stuff more. So in that regard, as far as not just the environmental puzzles, but knowing where your handholds are and all and things like that, which is good and bad because sometimes you have to take a chance and you say, you think something's a handhold and usually there are good cues, like visual cues. It's something scraped up. That means you could wall run or that means you can double jump on it, but you're going to die a lot. And I've, I have died far more falling than I have fighting enemies. Although there are these like two-legged like bird slash ram things that have killed me more than I would like to admit. Than I will admit. Because it's kind of embarrassing these little things killing you. And you you beating, say, a, say a, a mid-level boss on the first try. On the second hardest level. But these little, little bastards kill you. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> now... This game is not without its issues. There have been a lot of reports out there about how unplayable this game has been, particularly on the PC, which thankfully my PS5, I've had one, only all of one system shut down so far, and that was maybe a day or two ago. Uh, it was just, you know, actually yesterday I was playing, so I'm recording this on Friday. So, yeah, Thursday, where it shut down, and... I had to start again, go through a platforming aspect of it again, which 
I was actually so frustrated though that I didn't actually get stressed out. I was just frustrated that I had to that this game restarted. And again, that happens. Games crash. I will say that I haven't had the issues that a lot of people that review this game for a living have had. Particularly, I think most of their complaints are on PC where again, people like uh, skill up and uh, what's it, ADC. Uh, the, the really good game reviewers have had issues with this game. Thankfully, I have not. And so I can't speak to that. Now, I can speak to some glitching in whether it be hit detection. It's not smooth at all when you transition to and from cutscenes. Like Horizon had a very smooth transitions. I've seen other games. Red Dead Redemption 2, smooth transitions. Now, I can't really re recall how it was with Fallen Order, but Jedi Survivor does, there's like a lot of stuttering. There's not a lot, but every cutscene, there's a stutter you get when you get into the cutscene and when you get out. So in that regard, it, it's frustrating, but it's it's a that's a nitpick, actually. It's not frustrating. It's a nitpick. What would be frustrating is if I was getting all the time system crashes like some people are getting on PC and in that regard I would I would rate this game very low if, if if you have those technical issues and this is the thing the video game industry is we always joke and call them journalists because a lot of these and that's why I trust more of these YouTube creators that I've watched even for games that I have no intention of buying because they break it down and they're honest about any type of technical issues. It's not just about the game. It's not just about what comes in the game as far as story, as far as gameplay, as far as graphics or audio. It's extremely important. If your game doesn't work, all of that doesn't matter. So I really appreciate those type of reviewers because they tell you the truth. And again, I haven't had any problems with it. I don't want to rate this game right now. Maybe next week when we come in and we do the podcast because, again, Brian will have had more time with it. I'll have had more time with it. And then we can say, okay, where are we at? And then we can say, okay, this is what our rating. So far, I'm very happy with this game. It's at, as where it stands now, like I said, 8 to 10 hours in, it is. it looks to be better than the sequel. Now, I, the storyline aspect... I have I, I still don't think I've gotten far enough in to know where the story is going. So that's that is a big part of why I don't want to rate it, but I have had a very, very, very good time with this. And I I cannot wait to play more. So there you go. That's the show. But I do want to get to end up with a couple what's on tap for the weekend. Uh since this is Friday, this probably won't be posted till Sunday. I am in the great state of yeah I'm in the bluegrass state of Kentucky which technically is a commonwealth long story, but Saturday is going to be the Kentucky Derby. Saturday is also WWE Backlash on Peacock. This Friday, which is the day I'm recording, is going to be one championships, which is a, a combination of MMA, kickboxing, Muay Thai. That's a great one and two shows that. Well, one came out last week, and one just started this week. So Silo on Apple TV starring Tim Robbins, Ian Glenn, Rebecca Ferguson. It's a dystopian future, again, of these people that are in the silo, that that's where they live. 
and it's underground. They live in a society full of regulations that are believed they believe are meant to protect them because the outside is dangerous and they can't go out. I'm going to give this one a try. It's you know again Rebecca Ferguson, Ian Glenn, Tim Robbins. That's that's a good cast. So I I will this started May fifth. This is a premiere. I don't know if there were one or two episodes that they show. I believe there were the first two episodes are on Apple TV right now, and Citadel, which is premiered the first two episodes premiered on Amazon Prime last Friday. Episode three is up now, starring Richard Madden, Game of Thrones fame, Stanley Tucci and Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Yes, she married Nick Jonas. So the, the tagline is Global Spy Agency Citadel has fallen and its agents' memories were wiped clean. Now the powerful syndicate Manicor is rising in the void. Can the Citadel agents re- recollect, recollect their past and summon the strength to fight back? The first two episodes were meh. And this is a six-episode series that has a $300 million price tag. I don't know what it is with Amazon and spending this ungodly amount of money for these shows, but and again, it's not just Amazon. Netflix has done this this too. I'm I'm sure other your streaming services have as well. You have to be smart with your money. I understand the idea of Citadel being a multi an international show. And what I mean by that is the idea was to have spinoffs from different countries, which I think is a really cool idea. That's a very cool idea. It's just the in the execution. There was a lot of problems with this this episode or with this episode with Citadel from what I read. And I might, you know, I'll leave it at that and maybe next week talk a little bit more about some of the issues that I read about. But it is it's a spy drama with some sci-fi aspects that are actually really cool as far as especially if part the memory wipe. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to keep watching it. It's only 6 episodes. I can I'll probably have a review at the end, you know, 3 weeks from now when it's over. But that's another one of those things that is out. So, that about wraps everything up. Uh, I know this is a little bit weird not Brian not being there, my, you know, brother from another mother, my uh geek soulmate not being here, but uh again, We'll be back next week in full force. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infamous Podcast, and we will I will talk to you later. See ya. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamouspodcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.